0: Hello, this is Joseph Carlson, and this is episode 25 of Gaming with Grief. Uh, This week, I'm going to talk about uh, Dr. Sleep, the movie that just came out uh, this weekend, actually, uh, and Death Stranding. And so it's going to be kind of a longer episode, I imagine. Uh, A lot of deep, weird thoughts about both of these things, and uh, it's been a good week so far. And I like to start out every podcast by telling everybody, you know, um, go to www.gamingwithgrief.com. You can leave a comment below the video. Well, I'll, not in the video, but it's basically just a post of from SoundCloud of the podcast I did. There's a photo of me on a cruise from several years ago. I'm still trying to work out uh, how, how to make a format and icon and stuff, but go to www.gamingwithgrief.com and leave a comment below the SoundCloud icon. And then um, you can also go to gwgpodfellows at gmail.com. Uh, that's the email address. I will read your stuff on the air if you want me to. If not, that's totally fine too. So I like to get that out of the way. I'll I do it at the back of the show too at the end. Um, and so this week I'm just calling the episode Death Stranding because I've been playing a lot of Death Stranding. I bought it on launch. I was not provided a copy by Sony. I am a Podunk 25 episode podcast that has to do with grief, which is why some of this episode is going to be very long. Uh, the first thing I want to talk about, though, before I get to my Death Stranding impressions, because I think I'm only about five hours in, um, I want to talk about Dr. Sleep, the movie that came out this weekend that is a sequel to The Shining, both the book and the movie. Uh, Stephen King wrote the book. Um, you know, I actually don't know when it came out, but I, I have, I've heard of Dr. Sleep before. It's about Daniel Torrance, Danny Torrance, who was in the original Shining, The Boy Who Shined. It is a sequel in the sense that he is now in the later novel. He is a grown up individual, a grown up man that is an alcoholic like his father, like Jack Torrance, trying to put his life together. Um, and, you know, famously, everybody always says this, but famously, Stanley Kubrick, who directed the original film, which I think came out in 1980, uh, he de- deviated a lot from the novel. King didn't like how he deviated because if you look. And I read the novel when I was in high school, so I'm almost 40, so that was a very long time ago. But what I remember is, uh, like I've talked about on on my podcast uh, before, is my father was in recovery. He was a recovering alcoholic. Um, And the novel really for The Shining was about Jack Torrance trying to kick alcohol and dealing with alcohol. He was an abusive father. He he, uh, beat Danny and Wendy. Um, I think they go into more detail in the novel. Um, But I know in the movie they allude to it when the psychologist is meeting Danny and Wendy in the beginning. And I think Wendy says something like, oh, he hit his arm on a door or he tripped or something. And she basically, you know, and Danny broke his arm. And she's trying to tell the counselor, you know, it wasn't Jack. But then later she says, oh, maybe it was Jack. You know, I'm kind of paraphrasing. But I remember that was kind of an intense scene. And uh, in the sequel, uh, Ewan McGregor plays uh, Danny Torrance. And, again, he's an alcoholic, and he's trying to get his life together. Um, and, um, you know, there's some scenes at the beginning that show him kind of drinking a lot and getting in a bar fight, and you know he's not in a good place. Um, but then later he goes to a town far away to kind of start over again, which um, I, I like that. Of course, you know, I have a little bit of sympathy for someone trying to get their life together, and I think you McGregor does a great job. He finds a sponsor. They go to a meeting. Uh, he's kind of been suppressing his shine uh, because um, I I think just from the alcohol and obviously the pain uh, but there's a line that's used in a lot of movies I think when people kind of move to a different city is like you know when the newcomer sees them in the city and they always look at the main character and say are you running from yourself? and it's almost becoming a cliche they say it here and the actor did deliver it well Uh, it was one of Danny's friends in the novel uh I don't think his name is Danny I think Anyway he, The guy does look at him earnestly And say Are you you running from yourself You know And uh, that's a little It's getting a little bit cliched I think But the guy was very earnest When he said it And later in the movie He ends up helping him out By sponsoring him They go to meetings together The movie kind of fast forwards Eight years in the future Danny uh, Through the shine uh, Meets a woman A girl Named Abra Who uh, can shine as well And it's also introduced to the movie that there is a cult named the True Knot who hunt people that have the shine and they feed off them and it allows the people of the True Knot to live longer. They're basically psychic vampires. Um, There's some pretty messed up scenes with kid actors. Uh, It is a horror movie and it made me not like the True Knot even more. I I was telling my wife, you know, um, it's, I don't know. The idea of well, one people preying on children is pretty, you know, reprehensible. Uh, but the idea that the True Knot didn't—I think it's this idea of taking, you know, the idea that they were just taking life and taking stuff from the world, you know, like they didn't, they didn't, uh, you know, they didn't—they weren't contributing anything. I know that sounds really weird, but I kept watching the movie and I just got more and more angry with the True Knot. I think there was six members they really only focus on about three um, and I and, and I've seen some criticism of people saying oh you know they uh, you know they're kind of sidelined and I like the idea of them being just a pack of wolves kind of hunting the kids it's really effective I don't think you have time in a two-hour movie I think it was two and a half hours you don't have time to go into you know the inner workings of each individual member I'm sure if I read the novel which I kind of want to do now, that there was more time devoted to each member. They do go over the head, the head of the organization. She's named Rose the Hat. Um, And they focus on her sidekick, who he is named Crow. Um, I don't know if that's his real name, but they keep calling him the Crow. And um, there's one of the oldest members there. And then they recruit somebody, so they focus on her. She's very young. Um, It it was really interesting. And I like the fact that you know, at first Danny doesn't want to do anything, uh, but Dick Halloran, who is in the, the um, in the novel, um, and he was in the movie, uh, the elderly black caretaker of the Overlook, um, comes to him as an apparition. You know, because they can shine even even beyond the grave. It's kind of like a force ghost. But Dick Halloran says, "You sh- you should help her." You know, and it, it's good. Um, and I like that he goes back to the Overlook. I won't ruin why, but they have to go back to the Overlook Hotel, and apparently the director did a lot of work looking at old set photos, and I think he, looked, he got in touch with Kubrick's estate, and they were used, able to use a lot of production notes and even more photos to reproduce the Overlook in a way that was uh, dilapidated because uh, after the events that happened in the movie, apparently in that, that world, um, the place was made to rot. Um, and they did a good job of like, oh, this rotted since the eighties, it's 2019. What would that look like? You know? Um, and I, I, thought they did a very good job of making, like, I just told my wife after the movie, I'm like, can you imagine, you know, going through all that? And then, you know, with your father, uh, attacking you and your mother and, you know, killing the caretaker in the movie anyway, and you having to go back to that place. And, uh, I go, you know, he probably drove really slowly up the, uh, um, up the driveway, you know, was really thinking hard about it. But I think generally it's a good, effective movie. And it, it you know, people have said it's not really a horror movie. Uh, yeah, there isn't, there isn't jump scares and there isn't really, you know, there is some gore because obviously it's a horror movie. There's some horrific things that happens. But I don't, I, I don't get the feeling that it's a horror movie. Uh, you know, like I said, my dad was a recovering alcoholic. So I, there was actually a scene where they showed, there was like two scenes where they just showed an AA meeting. And can I say, um, I've been to some AA meetings, and in uh, movies, they're beautiful. They're beautiful places to go to recover. Um, I don't think I've ever been to an AA meeting. Listen, everybody's got to get help, and it's in a it's in a space where nobody judges each other. You tell each other stories. Everybody's in the same spot in their sobriety, you know, trying to get sober and make sense of the world and shake a horrible addiction. Um, but in movies, they're always like this pristine location. And even when they try to look dingy, like a basement, they still look really nice um but uh there's a good scene uh in the movie where he talks about his father when he gets his sobriety chip which i thought was really good it was well acted it was written really well i like that i like somebody trying to deal with their demons and really kind of putting themselves in line but also seeing them get their life back together and maybe that's just because of my experience with it of seeing someone i cared about so much go through that but i thought that was a very effective part of the movie so I don't really know if it's a horror movie. It just has a very good atmosphere. It's a very atmospheric movie. Um, I Again, I don't like the True Knot, uh, but of course you're not supposed to. You're not supposed to be like, oh, these are the good guys. you know. But um, I think I, I I don't like them for different reasons, I think, than probably other people. You know, people are like, oh, they're heinous. They hunt children. That, of course, is there. But for me, it's the idea of just, you're not even contributing or you're not even trying. You're like, I'm just taking everything I can. That's what I'm doing. And I, I think that bothered me more uh, than... Uh, a little bit more than the other stuff they did, even though they were hunting kids. Anyway, long story short, go see Dr. Sleep. It's very good. Hopefully I haven't ruined it too much. I tried to stay gen- very general. Um, if you've read the book, uh, you probably know everything. I mean, basically, it's just a sequel to The Shining, and I think the director also did a good job of trying to take something that the author didn't originally like. He got to meet Stephen King. There's some behind-the-scenes stuff that they released before the movie came out where they are being interviewed together, so I'm sure they got to speak to each other you know the idea of um, bringing the things together. You know, so and I read an article after the movie came out, or maybe it was a day before the movie came out, that because uh, Stephen King liked this so much, he's allowing the director to maybe adapt some of his other works, which I think is pretty interesting. So that's uh, that's pretty cool. Um, so go see Doctor Sleep; it's in theaters now. Uh, we had a gift card, so we saw it through AMC. Uh, my bank has a rewards program. It's pretty cool. They give you, you know, you bank rewards points and you can buy gift cards for things. And that's usually how we go to movies now is just get a gift card and then go to movies. So, um, yeah, it's great. Uh, it was a good movie. Recommend it. Go see it. Um, I'm not going to do like a star thing. I'm just going to recommend it. Go see it, especially if you like King, if you like, you know, like I said, it's not a horror movie. There's some gore and things in it. But it's to me, it's more atmospheric. The idea of these wolves hunting these little kids, I think, is really effective. And it's done really well. And Mike Flanagan is also known, the director is also known for, he did The House on Haunted Hill on Netflix. I'm not really familiar with his other work. But the little bit of A House on Haunted Hill that I saw, uh, my wife was a big fan, I only watched a little. Um, It was, the atmosphere is really good in that, you know. And it had this, like, foreboding. There was a shot in the beginning of that series where a daughter, you know, they're supposedly living in a haunted house, and the daughter tells her parents, hey, there's a ghost in the room. And the way they shot it is really effective because you see something in the corner not moving. And you just know that that's the apparition of the ghost. And it turns out to be. But it's so... It's like the first episode, so it's not really much of a spoiler that they're living in a haunted house and they see a ghost. But just the way it's shot and kind of composed... Like, you know, how they compose the shot and stuff like that is really effective. And I, I think there's many scenes in Dr. Sleep that are also very effective. There's some homages to the way stam- uh, Kubrick shot some of the scenes in The Shining. There's like one for one shots. We uh, were like, Oh, there is, it's replicating the shot, but it's, it's really effective. And um, so I recommend it. So I'll, I'll stop saying that I recommend it and say that I'm done. And I'll just say, go see Dr. Sleep. It's out now. It probably your local theater. I imagine. I mean, it's got a big release, so, it's probably everywhere now. So, wherever you're at, go see Dr. Sleep. So, um, cool. Yeah. All right. The next thing I want to talk about is Death Stranding. Yay. <laughs> Hi. Okay. So, uh, Hideo Kojima uh, worked with the team. And from the, this, is my Cliff Notes versions of the podcasts I listen to and things like that. And me trying to compile something in my brain to give you a little bit of backstory. So,. Uh, this is my Grandpa Simpson written on the back of Sugar Pack- Packet's version of Hideo Kojima's work. He worked on the Metal Gear series, uh, I think since Metal Gear Solid, up until um, Metal Gear Solid Five. Um, was it The Phantom Pain? Um, and then he was let go from Konami, the company that published the game. Uh, I don't know if it was ever written what happened or how, why he was let go. I mean, this kind of stuff happens, but it was kind of a dirty fallout. Since I listen to a lot of gaming podcasts and I've been reading a lot of articles, apparently he was kind of let go unceremoniously. Some of his team went with him because he was fired. uh, And it just seemed really messy. Um, And like not a happy, not a happy, you know, some people leave and they say, you know, I'm, you know, I'm going to go on to new endeavors and their company says, Hey, it was great working with this person and we're glad to see what they do next. And I don't think any of that happened, uh, when Kojima left Konami. Um, so now he's on his note, he's, he's on his own. Uh, he, they created a building, I believe in, uh, somewhere, obviously in Japan, he's Japanese, obviously from his name. Um, but, uh, they created a studio Kojima productions. Um, apparently it looks amazing. Um, I don't know if that's true, but they started working on a game for PlayStation that's publishing it. Uh, And I think PlayStation helped fund the game and build the building, maybe, I would imagine. Um, But anyway, uh, he's making this game, and he's kind of on his own now. So he doesn't have Konami kind of talking to him about how – I don't know. This is one of the things with the game he'll get into later. So basically he made this game uh, for the PS4. And I believe it's coming out on PC next year. And I believe 505 uh, Games is publishing it. Um, They also published Control, which, by the way, I played a little bit of Control, and um, I need to finish it. Long story short, uh, 505 Games is the same company, and they're going to publish it on, I believe, Steam and Epic, the Epic Game Store. So you know, if you're a PC player, whichever platform you prefer, go check it out there. Go get it. Uh, when it comes out I don't know if they've announced I haven't seen online That they have an exact release date They're just saying twenty. Excuse me They're just saying 2020 So just watch for that If you're a PC person And maybe wishlist it I would imagine I got it on the PS4 I have a PS4 um, I said a few episodes ago um, That I was kind of looking forward to it Because I watched a launch uh, Not a launch trailer But there was like a Tokyo Game Show trailer That talked about A woman Uh, In the trailer, it shows a woman cradling a ghost baby that climbs up the walls. You see the handprints of the baby. You hear it cry. She said something about the baby tried to feed uh, off breast milk, maybe. So, you know, I'm pretty honest. Everybody knows why I'm here. It's Gaming with Grief. I've talked about my wife's miscarriages. Uh, My son passed away, uh, Adam, on uh, January 3rd, uh, 2018. So... Yeah, it, it I mean I mean what to say. So first let's just talk about uh the gameplay. Um Kojima's like big for systems. The only other Metal Gear uh, game that I've physically played is Metal Gear Solid 4. Um I think uh, Guns of the Patriot, I think is what it is. And uh I've watched people play Metal Gear Solid. Um we made fun of it when I was a teenager for saying in the uh in the I, I don't know, the radio, not the codec, but anyway, the you know, it goes to a menu and you see two green, uh, you see a green, like, snake on the left and someone on the right, and you see the audio thing in between because they're talking to each other on the radio. And the person was giving them tips through the radio, and they kept saying, use the action key. And we thought that was hilarious even when we were young and kept making the fact that they kept telling you all the time to use the action key. Um, and I've heard a lot of people talk very glowingly about the Middle Gear series. Um, what I found when I played 4 was... Um, the 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 gameplay was fun, a little bit stiff, but I think if you are in four in a series and you're all in and love Metal Gear Solid Four, um, you you know you're gonna enjoy it. You know this is what you've come to come to love. You know you've. Played the other games and enjoyed them, so you're not gonna have a problem with if something's a little stiff or something. The boss encounters that I encountered in the game, I did not finish it, but the boss encounters I counted were insanely bonkers in a good way. Where you're like, I don't, this person's like floating in the air and throwing stuff. I mean, this is great. It was just weird, right? Um, but Death Stranding's really weird. I haven't really encountered any boss battles. Um, there seems to be an enemy, the BTS, which are like these ghosts. The premise for the game is that there has been a a cataclysmic event. The Earth is fractured. Um, Both figuratively and physically, there's craters in the Earth, um, which I won't give away why the craters are there. But basically, the land of the living and the dead have somehow merged in a way or at least the land of the dead is visible to some people in the land of the living and I, i'll be very vague some people can see the dead they can sense them your character uh sam porter bridges played by norman Reedus, and they got the rights to him his likeness so his voice and likeness are in the movies uh or in the game sorry it, it's very it's very cinematic so anyway his likeness is in the game and um it's norman Reedus. Uh, If you like Norman Reedus, you'll like it. Uh, He's really growing on me. You know, he is Daryl in The Walking Dead. He, my opinion, is kind of stoic and quiet. But uh, this is really, uh, really good. You know, he does a good job of kind of what he's given. Uh, So basically, the idea is there's this cataclysmic event that's happened. You are a porter. Your name is Sam Porter Bridges. So that's cool. You work for the Bridges Corporation. So yeah. I think I heard this uh, this game with the names and things uh, described as you know, the the subtlety of a hammer, and I think that is very good. But since I come from a construction background, I would say it would have the the subtlety of a ten pound sledge. Um, yeah, he's really knocking down walls uh, with these um, you know with these names. You meet a man called Dead Man. Yep, that's his name. He's a cor- he's a coroner, so he deals. With the dead, and his name is Deadman. There is um, Die Hardman, who is your boss. Uh, Really good performance, but the character wears a mask, and I don't understand why. Um, Because I think the performance of the guy is really good, and I would like to see his face. Um, I know he's African-American, because I can see the outlines of his face, and his hands, obviously, but... I'd really like to see him. They did such a good job motion capturing Norman Reedus and the other actors. Um, apparently, uh, Guillermo del Toro is in it. His likeness, I don't think his voice. Um, he He's Deadman. And if you don't know him, he is a well-known, uh, I think, uh, I don't know if he's from Mexico or South America, but he's a very well-known horror director. He did Pan's Labyrinth. Um, he's done he did a really oh he did Hellboy the the first two Hellboy movies not the remake but the first original two Hellboy and then the Golden Army I really like the Golden Army anyway a lot of good actors and stuff in this long story short the game really involves with you having to uh, deliver packages to different outposts that have been separated from each other because of this cataclysmic event then you get the mission to please reconnect America you're basically hooking up the internet everywhere there's I'm, I know what it's called and everything. I'm just gonna keep it really general for spoilers. If people want to uh, play the game and things like that, but you're basically hooking up the internet in these hubs, so you literally reconnect America. And um, there's part of my OCD nature that you see you literally carry suitcase cases, which are packages from point A to point B. You pick up a package, says take it here. Uh, you get rewards the more re- the more packages you deliver a location. They may give you items. You um, have the ability later to have a 3D printer. So you can print items uh, like roads, which is pretty cool. Um, it's very hard to tra- traverse things. You can have roads or uh, mailboxes to uh, store things. Or um, you, you make rope pylons so you can, uh, you can uh, travel down ravines and things like that. And that's kind of like the gameplay loop is you can literally become unbalanced uh, you can go into a menu and auto auto-stack all of your packages. You have a backpack with like a harness rig and everything on, so you can weight things left or right. You can put things in the left side of your body, the right side of your body to weigh everything down. You can stack things, you know, ten feet high above your head if you want. Um, it's not recommended because you obviously have a max capacity. Then you become overbalanced and you start slipping left or right when you're walking. You can hit the left trigger, right trigger to rebalance yourself. So if you swing right too hard, you can hit the left trigger and you'll come right. You'll stop and you'll redo your load. Um, you have to ford rivers, like walk through rivers. You have a scanner on your back that will scan and it'll tell you if something is is treacherous. By it, it'll either be blue um blue yellow or red so yeah you can do it yellow yeah you can do it but it's going to be hard and red is like that's impossible you can climb through things you have a stamina meter um which you have to work at you can stop um and so yeah i mean that's the basic gameplay so far and i'm i'm very early in i i'm in chapter two everybody that i've read online that does reviews of this says please Get past chapter two because chapter three opens up more. There is something that I'm seeing in the world now, which is great. Once you hook up a facility to the internet and it connects all the past facilities because you're going from east to west basically to reconnect America, um, you see everybody's items and things like that that they've crafted, So, like ladders that'll go across ravines so you can ford ravines easier or a climbing rope or I guess there's motorcycles you can make later uh, a trike um that's a motorized battery operated trike it's got two wheels in the front one in the back it looks pretty good um but uh that's kind of the gameplay loop as you connecting america going between these places you will find packages left by other people in the world and like i said other people i don't know how those servers work but they will actually um, leave structures for you and you can you can give them likes like Facebook, you can you have a timer when you get up to it, you can start hitting like as many times as you want next to a structure and then that'll run out, and then when you go later you can like it again, uh, you can walk by and not like it, um, but it's, it's, it's that is an enjoyable part of the game where you're like, oh man somebody knew this was going to be really hard so they put this here for me and since you have the ability to 3D print, uh, 3D print things, you can say, well I want to print this right here and leave it for people. You can even put things in post office boxes for other players like, hey, I'm going to donate this if you guys need this, blah, 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 here you go. Um, I'm going to do this. Um, and th- that's kind of the gameplay loop of the game is delivering packages from point A to point B, sometimes uh, backtracking from f- point B to back to point A, which is frustrating. Apparently later on there is fast travel. I've read some reviews, the very general reviews where they said, yes, there is fast travel. But um, there's a lot of weird things in this game, so let's let's get on to um, to like the strange things in the game. I'm not going to say negative. For me, it's just very strange. So one, when you go to these facilities to drop packages off, uh, packages off, you have a private quarters, which is great because you can literally sleep uh, and rest, and uh, your stamina regens and everything regens, which is awesome. Um, but uh, yeah, you know that's cool. But what's weird is very early on, they give you they your handcuff to the bed. And you're like, this is weird, right? This is really weird. Um, well, when you wake up, your handcuff is undone. Somebody shows you that by putting the two handcuffs together on the same wrist, so next to, next to each other, back to back, you basically, it's a communicator. It starts glowing. You can access the map and things like that. And people call you a lot. I think that's the weirdest thing about the game so far is the game in a menu will explain a system. Hey, if you want to turn this in, go to this sub menu and hit OK and turn this item in. Then someone will come on your comm and tell you, hey, are you trying to turn that stuff in? You need to go to this menu and go to this in the base, and then you can turn it in. It's redundant. Uh, the criticism I've heard about this game is that possibly Kojima needed an editor, and I kind of see that with the game. It seems really strange to me that they can say so much without saying anything. They're, da- they're basically just saying the same thing over and over again. The first few hours are basically cutscenes of you delivering one or two packages and then going to like a hub, turning it on, meeting all the characters. And it's really strange because if they use the word strand or not, all the cities are called like Capital Not City, West Not City port not city. You have a strand. Your strand is your name which was somebody in the office's name but also a strand connects people. There's a scene where someone describes every meaning of the word strand. At least uh, I mean at least three or four meanings of the word strand. And I thought this is really the point that the Kojima or whoever is just reading a dictionary definition of the word strand over and over again and Yes. It is strange. Again, th- these are the things that I find strange about the game. Um, Rockstar Energy, who may, or Monster, Monster Energy, who I guess paid money for to get product placement in the game. You drink Rockstar Energy, you get your stamina back. That's not a joke. They animated a Rockstar Energy or uh, Monster Energy, sorry. They animated a Monster Energy drink can, the front and back because every time you go to your personal quarters, there's several cans sitting on the table. And when you go over to them to drink them to replenish your stamina, you see the front and the back of several of the cans. So Monster me, Energy has paid money to be in this game. And the weirder thing is when you're out on the trail, the road, if you will, the open terrain, which looks beautiful, by the way, it's the facial animations and the terrain and the world looks great. Uh, the rain looks amazing. People's faces look amazing. Long story short, if you read the description of your canteen... All the water that goes into your canteen becomes a monster energy drink. That's not a joke. That's what it says in the description. It says rainwater and river water will be collected this and turn into monster energy drink so you can get your stamina back. So, yeah, that's kind of strange in a game where you uh, are drinking monster energy drink. That's really weird. Uh, And the weirdest thing in this game, well, there's two weird things. One, which I kind of mentioned before, is the story. People repeat themselves so much. They say so much again without saying anything. They talk about how America is divided and needs to be reconnected, both figuratively and realist, you know, and literally because you're you're giving everybody the internet so they can talk again. And you know, America is very divided. And uh, there's a weird scene in the game when one of the characters with your handcuffs now that I've described before that are in both parts are holding it up. And they, and they say, you know, we want to make everybody free. You know, we want everybody to have the freedom to do they want after this event that's happened and people are scared to go outside because there actually is one thing I forgot to mention, which is timefall which is rain, which accelerates time. So when it rains, things die. Um, so structures rot quicker. So now everybody's living underground. That's the reason why you're delivering things from place to place. People live in underground bunkers. They don't want to be, uh, you know, affected by this time fall so yeah there's that that's great right it's really great anyway so with the time fall long like I digress so this person is giving you a speech about they want everybody to be free and they want everybody to do what they want and then you hold up your hand that has two handcuffs on it and they describe it as a shackle and you say well what about this and they said that's not a shackle that is a symbol of us being linked together and someone said that in the game and I thought wow and uh, that's pretty bold, um, especially bold. Where, um, I don't know. It just it, there's no subtlety to it. And um, I, I have to th- I wonder if somebody was around Kojima telling him that no, you can't write this. Or I start thinking about it, too. Like, I don't know if he was just writing in English or with an English translator, maybe. And I'm not, you know, uh, complaining about their talent or anything but it is a unique talent to one translate someone's speech into something else you know into words with meaning you know um and maybe there was something where they didn't understand like what are you like a strand i don't understand what you're getting at you know um and and so there may have been something going on and you know he's um working maybe in a foreign language. I don't know. Like again, I don't know how much English he knows. I always see translators at events with him when I see clips of him being interviewed. But again you don't know how why those people are there or whatever. Um and my the last I think strangest thing for the game for me so far, and again I'm only about five or six hours in, is the BBs. So BBs, as they explain the game. And this is a minor spoiler for some of the games, so if you don't want to know this, uh, I don't know, skip ahead a few minutes. But the BBs are babies in small sealed tanks that is like amniotic fluid, uh, and they can see these these creatures or these apparitions, these BTs, these things that try to pull you under. They can see these things. So what they've been doing is they've been giving these BBs to porters for years, so that way they can better combat the BTs, these specters that appear. Um, they can see them and. Uh, you can see them when you basically hook an umbilical cord to this thing yeah an umbilical cord it's a mechanical umbilical cord it's just like a big power cable but once you do that the baby wakes up and starts looking at you and things like that and it is revealed later that the bb's are actually babies that were taken uh, from mother's wombs that were the mothers uh, were brain dead and since that has happened the bb's have more of a connection to the afterlife and can see the BTs, these creatures. And this is really strange, uh, to me especially. Um, And I don't know what to think about that yet. I don't know if it's good or bad. I'm not going to say Kojima isn't allowed to make the art that he's allowed to make, you know. But it is a very strange moment when they're very matter-of-fact about it. And there's there's a strange scene for me, especially in the game, where apparently everybody looks at the bbs these babies as property or equipment that it's not a big deal which i guess is the weird iron of the game right you're they're not supposed to care but you're caring because it's a baby and it makes baby noises and it cries at you through the speaker of the controller which luckily you can turn off because that was it happened to me once and it was kind of horrific to hear a baby cries through my controller um but the weird thing is that they tell you is there's a scene early in the game when you're the BB that you've you have that you acquire, I won't ruin why you acquire it, but that it's malfunctioning and you're there cremating, you're at a crematorium, literally cremating a body. Because that was your job. Again, you're a porter, you deliver packages, this is something you were tasked in doing. Um, they tell you to burn the baby. The problem is the baby is alive and it's moving around in the fluid, the amniotic fluid. Um, and it looks sad and it likes you even blows a little bubble heart at you which you could take that for whatever it is but it is a very strange experience for me in a game where they go well just, just burn the kid you know just burn it it's just nothing it's equipment you're like ah what's uh, yeah I don't really know how I feel about that I don't know um, you know uh, Kojima obviously didn't mean to offend me he doesn't know about my personal taste or anything that's happened to me um, but it's it's a weird idea right to have these babies capable of um, you know seeing these things they tell you later hey don't uh, don't uh, um, don't stress the baby out because if it's around these BT's it'll get stressed out and it it shuts down it lays in the amniotic fluid and uh, doesn't move so that was a little harrowing and uh, obviously your character has a heart so he takes the BB and they say well we can repair it and that's when they lay all this stuff on it about you know, the babies being taken from mothers that are, uh, are brain dead, and that the BBs are somehow connected to the afterlife, and they don't understand how just yet. But then they go into this big diatribe about how, well, you know, the reason why it's getting kind of confused and stressed out, this autotoxemia that it has, is that it, it thinks it's in the mother's womb still, And we have to download information from the mother from wherever it was born from in a way and we have to give it this information so it gets fooled into thinking that it's still like the you know everything's still okay um and i'm paraphrasing everything um again i don't really know what to think about that and it feels very strange so um but i'm morbidly fascinated with the game because there is there is an idea in the game where they talk about hope and i do like that i just wish they were more subtle um, they keep telling the main character over and over again, Die Hard Man keeps telling your character over and over and over and over again that America needs to be reconnected. We have to reconnect America. You know, America has to be reconnected. We have to be whole. Then you meet a president who says the same thing. We have to connect everybody. You have a cut scene where she talks about we have to connect everybody on a beach. Then you have another cut scene in an office where she says, She's actually comes to your private quarters and says, uh, "You know, if we don't connect America again, uh, we'll be ripped apart, and America will be over with." And I've heard people online say it was obviously in reaction to Trump being elected. I don't know if that's true or not, but it's easy to read the news and kind of grab that correlation between that happening. So, again, the strangest thing for me right now is the BBs and wrapping my head around the intention of the BBs and the fact that. You know the writing is not subtle um there's no subtlety to it uh there was no editor to say you need to rewrite this whole section it was just him writing things uh and that's really strange it's really strange um and i I do want to keep playing the game because like i said there's this weird literal morbid fascination with the game of like oh well how are you using these babies and then two uh you're trying to keep the baby safe right so uh i'm of course gonna play the game and try to keep the baby as safe as long as possible and uh yeah that's what i want to do um i'm gonna deliver some packages along the way i'm sure i'll get annoyed with the fact that i have to overencumber myself because i'm seeing footage of people trying to stack as much on as they can uh of the you know their backpack and things and it's uh weird so um yeah i'm gonna keep playing Like I said, I'm about six hours in. I've heard from different outlets that it's about 50 or 60 hours. I don't know if I'll spend that much time. But like I said, I I don't want to be critical of the game yet because I haven't finished it. But I will say these these things for me, I'm not going to say it's a red flag. It's more of a yellow flag. Like you've definitely piqued my interest in a strange way and maybe a bad way, maybe a good way. But, it, it, you know, uh, different things hit different people for different reasons. I'm sure other people playing this going, oh, cool, you get to put a baby in your chest. This is weird. And they're not thinking about anything else, which totally makes sense. Again, I I made this whole, um, you know, podcast to, you know, ex- examine grief through games. And I'll say Death Stranding is definitely making me think a lot about it. You know, what people think of death, because that is also another thing of this game is like, You know, these people, this Death Stranding, these creatures are people that just haven't passed on yet. You know, they're stuck in this weird purgatory. Um, So maybe if we bring people together and heal divides, maybe this will go away. A lot of people don't know. I'm very early in the game, so I'm sure later they figure stuff out. If that's true or false, I don't know. But it's interesting. And um, that's what I'll say. It seems to me that every time I've heard somebody describe one of Kojima's ideas in a game, like I guess there's an early game where he threatens to delete your save files uh, the character does and then also um you have to plug your controller into the second player port I, I don't know this is this is from people that are fans I listen to podcasts are talking about how um good Kojima is at, like mechanics it sounds like here this is very much about mechanics um and and he did care about the writing but when I played Metal Gear Solid 4 like I said earlier People repeated themselves a lot and cutscenes would be 20 minutes. And there's still a lot of that industrial ending where people repeat themselves a lot and cutscenes are 20 minutes long. Or you'll go into one cutscene to go into the next cutscene where people are kind of saying the same thing, which is repair America. And I get it. I get it. America has to be repaired. Repair America. I get it. We have to be repaired. It feels almost like subliminal messaging at this point. Um, you probably could make a drinking game. Out of the amount of times people either use the word strand, not, or talking about bridges, or bridging people together. Like, there's similar ideas that, like, if they just keep saying them, you could get hammered playing a drinking game doing that. So, again, I'm going to keep playing the game. I'm going to uh, let you know, probably not next week, probably the week after that. Because, you know, there's a lot of walking in this game, so I don't want to know. I don't want to tell you that, uh, oh, hey. Yeah, uh, still walking. You know, that wouldn't be a very good impressions video. Um, but, yeah, that those are the things that I'm uh, doing this week, that I've been doing. I've been playing Death Stranding. My wife is in the other room still yelling at the screen trying to beat Luigi's Mansion. So, you know, she's still having a good time with that. I think she's like over halfway uh, through the game. Um, so, yeah, that's good. So, uh, with that, I'll let you guys go. Again, go to www.gamingwithgrief.com. This audio will hit Monday morning at 7 o'clock. Um, 7 a.m. every Monday. Leave a comment below the video if you want to leave a comment or go to www.gwgpodfellows.com. Oh, I'm sorry. Podfellows at gmail.com. That's my email address. That's gwgpodfellows at gmail.com. That's my email address. Go there. Uh, Drop me a line. Hey, let me know what you think of Death Stranding. I I think the one thing about this game that's really interesting is people talking about it. I think in, in gaming... Again, I listen to a lot of gaming podcast stuff. You know, it seems like a lot of games kind of fall in the same categories, right? You do have divergent opinions and stuff, but games are usually there, and I'm being very general, they're either a 7, so they're okay, or they're a masterpiece. Basically, most reviews fall into the same spectrum, and I'm not saying there's any biased reviews. People just have general ideas about gameplay mechanics and stuff like that, about, yes, this is good. It hit me. I really liked it. I didn't like this, blah, blah. Death Stranding to me, from what I've seen from the views, is all over the place. Some people are giving it sixes, some people are giving it tens, some people are giving it nines, you know, eights, which seems good, but you could see that, like, I think things diverge. It'll be very interesting um, since this is uh, launch weekend for it to see public perception and people playing it and what uh, what other people think. And there's some podcasts I listened to that did not get early access to the game. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what they think now, uh, now that people will have their hands in the game and actually have get to have opinions. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, and I'll keep playing. And uh, I will see you guys uh, next week again. Go to www.gamingwithgrief.com. Leave a comment below the icon. Uh, this will go up Monday at 7 a.m. And if you want to drop me an email, go to gwgpodfellows at gmail.com. So have a good week, guys, and I'll see you next week.